Hey friends, can't wait till Wednesdays to get your Modern Mamas fix. Join us on Patreon. You can choose your tier and when you subscribe, you'll get bonus content, early access to retreat, first peeks at new swag, plus shout outs and even real time monthly virtual hangs with us. Visit patreon.com forward slash modern mamas podcast to check it out and support the podcast. It truly means the world to us. We are so grateful for you and for this community. I love mama. Welcome to the Modern Mamas Podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire, empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hi friends, welcome to another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. I am so thrilled to get to introduce a very special guest to you today, funnily enough, who we connected with through the well-loved and well-known Eliza Parker. So we'll have to talk more about that connection as we dive in. But without further ado, I'm so pumped to introduce today Ashley Newton. She is a somatic movement therapist ceremonialist and founder of Wellspring Nature School. Her deep love of being with children has been the center of her life for many years. Her studies include a BA in child development, an MA in infant mental health, educator certificates with the School for Body Mind Centering and training in Reiki and yoga. She is passionate about helping families connect to the sacredness of life and creating space for families to experience deeper well-being. Ashley, thank you so much for being here today. It's such a treat to have you on the podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Such a treat. And our listeners at this point, unless this is their first episode, they found us through you. Know, they know me pretty well at this point and probably know that I'm really excited for this podcast episode because all of the, the studies that you've done and the education you have and the experiences you have align very much with how I hope to live my life and raise my daughter. So this is going to be a really incredible podcast interview. And I feel like it's about time we met. We have clearly many connections in common, both Eliza and then Malika, your podcast co-host. So I'm really, I've been looking forward to this one all day. So thank you for being here. And what I would love is if you could, well, actually, before we dive into learning more about you, I love to do an icebreaker question. So as we begin, I'd love to know as we, right now, as we record, it's early January. And so a lot of people have resolutions on the mind. I am more of a intention setter. I like to set a word for the year, but I am curious to know how you approach the new year. Do you set resolutions? Do you set intentions? Do you do neither? How do you approach this time of year? Yeah. So I am a really big fan of the Chinese medicine seasonal calendar. And so I have aligned a lot of my personal practices to follow the seasons with more attention. And so based on that calendar, this time of year, we just passed solstice, which is considered the depth of winter and the time of year that we're still in when yin, which is the feminine principle, is at its strongest and its um, deepest. And so from that perspective, it's actually not yet time to set more 
logically head action oriented intentions. And so what I do is this time of year, I really commit as much as I can and is functional (laughs) commit to being in a little bit more of the unknown and creating a lot of space for myself to rest and stay nourished and grounded. And then come spring, which in Chinese medicine, the beginning of spring is February. I begin to set my, what I would call intentions for the year <laughs> or for the season. Wow. I for the spring really appreciate that. So as a family, we, we celebrate solstice almost as important in our, it's about equal to Christmas. And we both, my husband and I both grew up with Christmas, but really lean into solstice and funnily both felt uh, quite a transition around that time. And I just, I love hearing that because I think it, I don't know if anyone else listening just took a deep breath, but I know that I did. My, my word for the year is trust. And I feel like I said that because it feels to align very much with what you just explained. It's more of just like trusting that I can, a big part of it is trusting that I can rest and that my business will still grow organically and trusting that our family, you know, will grow in love the way that we have been. And just kind of like this trust, which in my mind is kind of that uh, trusting that I can take space to rest and just see what the year will bring. So I feel very validated right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Yes, absolutely. And it's a big, you know, it's a practice. Like it's really okay for me to rest and Mm -hmm. not know exactly where I'm going, you know, and I can learn to relax inside of that. Wow. That's really wonderful. Thank you for sharing. What a, what a perfect way to kick us off. So on that note, I'm sure our listeners are curious now as to what brought you to Chinese medicine and just all of your certifications and your training and the work that you do. So if you could kind of give us a little bit more of a bio, I guess, from your perspective, telling us a little bit more about your story. Sure. So I started working with kids when I was 14 and haven't stopped since. (laughs) I'm 34 now, about to turn 35. And it got very clear to me in my adolescence that part of the reason, you know, part of my human journey was going to be helping children. And I feel very blessed that that kind of clarity was gifted to me (laughs) at such a young age and have since then been on a very windy and very full path to exploring all of the different ways that I can show up as an ally for children to grow up in ways that are expansive and loving and kind and really reflect their gifts in the world. And you could see it as a parallel, but it's also just very interwoven that I'm also really interested in a lot of different healing modalities. And when I started working with kids, even when I was an adolescent, I really felt the ways that children have this amazing capacity to reflect our own shortcomings or, you know, the places that kind of stretch us like, wow, I just did that, but I'd really like to do a lot better in the future. That didn't feel so good the way I talked to that kid that way. And getting that kind of feedback from children all the time has really been a big part of the inspiration that I've had to go on so many healing paths. Like the first one I did was yoga. I I studied at a a Hindu ashram up here in Grass Valley, actually, in my late teens, and came to the body-mind centering in the somatic world, and eventually Reiki and ceremony and Chinese medicine. So we just kind of kept picking up the threads where the pieces that needed to be healed in me were available in different modalities at different times. And so now I'm just integrating all of them forward into my work. 
That's so awesome. What a, it's it's wild to me and profound pretty much that, that you started journeys like that, you know, in your teens. Clearly destined, if you believe in that, for this kind of work or, you know, I, or you were just in tune enough as a younger adult to know the direction that you're going to take. And so can you help us understand a little better the work that you do? And I think that'll be a good kind of jumping off point to talk, to dive a little bit more deeply into some of our topics today. Yeah, sure. So right now I'm actually in a pretty big transition. So for the last four years, my main focus has been holding an outdoor nature connection program for kids ages four to 10. And I actually, as of about three weeks ago, decided to let that program go. (laughs) It has been such a beautiful, incredible part of my work. And I, I love nature connection with kids. And the thing that has gotten really clear to me recently is that I really need to start focusing on working with parents and teachers to help them in their journey to be with kids in a better way. And that I'm, you know, have had this intuition that this is actually going to help me reach more children and help more children by being able to work with their parents. So I'm shifting gears and going to be holding groups of parents and individual having individual clients and individual families where I am supporting them in not only doing strategy with their kids, you know, like try to say it this way or try to say it that way or think about it this way, but also the deeper levels of surrender in their own life and their own trust and their own intuition about what they need and what their children need. I love that so much. It's that ripple effect. If you work with and support and empower a grown up or an individual who's then going to go out and exist in the world and raise kids or work with kids and the number of children they'll be able to impact. And then those kids are going to grow up and, you know, that it continues on. So I really appreciate that. And I think that what a, what a wonderful shift. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's really different because being with children is part of just what lights me up in my heart, which is why I love being around them. Mm -hmm. And, but it's also good to just stay, you know, stay on purpose (laughs) and be clear that I'm making as much impact as I, as I can in this short life. I love that so much. Well, thank you. So I would love then to now dive into some of the topics that we had kind of discussed prior. And I know just from from kind of following on social media and, and what I have seen from you and the, the brief conversations we've had thus far, I'm looking forward to learning more about this, but you talk a lot about prayer. And so before we dive more into that, I would love to kind of have you explain, you know, your perspective on prayer and, you know, what, what it means to you and to your work. Yeah, and this piece is really exciting for me to be bringing forward professionally because it's been a part of my life for a long time. And now I'm integrating these worlds that fell separate into one. And so for me, my relationship to prayer really shifted about three or four years ago when I came across a Native American church in Berkeley that had a a very different way of praying than I had grown up Christian and sort of separated myself from the Christian church in some ways as I was a teenager and explored Buddhism and Hinduism and a lot of different alternative ways of approaching spirituality and 
came across this church and they have a very open approach as far as, you know, usually when people think of prayer, at least for me in the past, I always thought of God and Christianity. And here it was just like, everybody relates to whatever that is, you know, spirit, God, the universe, however you want to think about it in very different ways. And that's great. And not a problem at all <laughs> in this space. But the the practice of prayer as I as I learned it there and then I'm practicing with myself and with people now is really simple, which is and George Bertelstein is one of the leaders of the church and his framework for making a prayer is what are you grateful for? What are you struggling with? And ask for help. And so to speak out loud to, you know, I pray with the water a lot or any, you know, spirit or whoever you want to direct it to those things. What are you grateful for? What are you struggling with? And ask for help over time, realized created so much space in my life and in my heart for the process of surrender and the process of coming into a place of like, wow, I don't always have the answer. <laughs> And I don't need to know. All I need to do is, you know, say thank you and ask for help and trust that something or someone um, is going to come help me. And found that I feel so much happier and more settled and more connected in my life through this practice. And so that's what I'm starting to share with, with parents and then also women who are wanting to be parents. Women who want to become mothers one day. Hi friends, Laura here. Also, shroom lover. (laughs) If you've been following me for long, you know that I love myself some shrooms in the morning and I am super excited that Four Sigmatic is now offering a really, really rad ground mushroom coffee with both lion's mane and chaga. It's totally shifted my mornings. I find that typical coffee leaves me anxiety prone, a little bit extra stressed out and feeling like I'm spinning my wheels but not actually being productive. This coffee is very, very different. This episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. If you don't know, Four Sigmatic is a wellness company that is well known for its delicious mushroom coffee. So chaga is the king of mushrooms. And right now, chaga is actually my favorite because it's boosting immunity, it's making me feel good, and that in combination with lion's mane, which helps give me a brain boost, really makes for an awesome day. I'm super excited right now to let you know that we've worked out an exclusive offer with Four Sigmatic on their best-selling brand new Lion's Mane Coffee. This is just for the Modern Mamas podcast listeners. Because we love you, you can receive up to 39% off their best-selling Lion's Mane Coffee bundles. To claim this deal, you must go to foursigmatic.com slash modernmamas. This offer is not available on the regular website. Go to F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash modern mamas and fuel your your productivity and creativity with some delicious mushroom coffee. The full discount will be applied at checkout. Enjoy. Happy shrooming. Wow. That's so powerful. (laughs) And our listeners know that that I'm, I am a mom obviously, but there's hope in my Mm -hmm. heart for another at some point. I don't know exactly Mm -hmm. what that looks like. So I find that like it kind of definitely hit a chord in me for sure. And I grew up in a pretty, you know, I went to Catholic school from fourth grade through the the end of high school and so when I think of prayer my, truthfully like it to be truly vulnerable and transparent like my first response is kind of like oh you know and I, I believe in 
the power of manifestation. I believe in the universe. I believe in that there is God, God is there something more. But I, I love that you're taking this word that, you know, in today's society can at some points be off-putting to certain people or create this thought process for some people, this preconceived story that they have regarding that word. And I love that you're shedding new light on it and, and for some potentially giving it new life. And so I'm really just grateful for that. Yeah, thank you. I know it, it's a very loaded word. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I'm leading a circle for parents, and I was like, oh, should I call it a prayer circle? Like, it's just going to scare some people away. Mm-hmm. You know, like some people are just going to be like, well, I'm not going there, you know? Totally. And, but eventually it just is like, it felt like the thing to call it. So I'm calling it a prayer circle, and it's like second Sundays and. Yeah, I I just I totally get because I have internally gone through that resistance and very understandably. But yeah, it is part of my work to help transform that and um, help it feel like a different thing for people. I think intuitively, a lot of us are called to prayer. I still am. Sometimes I'll, I'll be in bed at night and like laying down to sleep and it was such a practice growing up and, and I still, you know, I still have, I'm st- I still consider myself such a spiritual person. So to be able to kind of reconnect with prayer, having more meaning than just praying to a single God or a saint or whatever it is, yeah. there's something really, really powerful and like, and healing in that even beyond just the opening up for the process of surrender. It's, it goes, I think far beyond for many, I'm sure. Yeah. Agreed. So wonderful. So can you talk a little bit more about water prayer practices? Because that's something that really calls to me, especially right now living up in Washington on the peninsula. And we have set an intention to we're outside every single day, no matter the weather. And so oftentimes that means in puddles, in the rain, in the water. And then in the summer times, we're, we are, we're always seeking rivers and lakes and beaches. And so water is very powerful in our world. My daughter is three and a half and already just she, she loves it. She's drawn to it. So mm-hmm. I'd love to hear more about this for sure. And I'm sure our listeners would as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm pretty much obsessed with water. (laughs) So again, like my, my first encounter with praying with water came through the Native American church and there's many different indigenous lineages all over the world and here in the States that orient to water as a sacred medicine. And in fact, if you look at every religion, every single religion that I could find anything about (laughs) has a water ritual inside of it. And every indigenous tradition that I've looked at and had the the great benefit of being able to explore also has a lot of ceremony, ritual cleansings with water, which makes a lot of sense because as we know, scientifically, water is the actual center of all life on this planet. (laughs) Like there is nothing that exists without it. And I don't know if you've heard of this book called Water Codes, but I'm I'm currently reading it. It's really, really fun read. And she talks about in there how, you know, we've probably all heard that by by weight we're about 70, you know, 70, 75% water. But by molecular structure, we're actually 99, like 0.8% water. <laughs> like almost all of the molecules in our body are water. And intuitively, I think a lot of us know that water is primary for our health, for our happiness, and for our clarity. And we go to water, you know, we take showers. Like you said, we like search out rivers and oceans and to clear us and help us be open and connected. And 
so in my practices with praying with water, I like to think of it as multi-directional. So one way that I pray with water is by very simply picking up a glass of water. So pouring a glass of water and holding the glass of water and making a prayer out loud. And I, I really do like to use that format that I learned from George Burlstein, which is what am I grateful for when am I struggling with and ask for help. And I just pray out loud. It's really powerful to voice the prayers, actually, not just in my head, but out loud. And then into the water and the water has consciousness and it will absorb and listen to what I have to say. And then I drink the water. And as I drink the water, it's, you know, it's, it's a material kind of like a consecration of that prayer moving into my body. And then I ask the water to heal any parts of my consciousness that it can that are in alignment with that prayer. That's so powerful. <laughs> I'm like already, it's, I'm like looking at my water bottle right now. And I'm like, can I do this with my water bottle? <laughs> I mean, this, I am, I'm not exaggerating when I say that that practice has changed my entire life. Wow. Like my life has opened up inside of this prayer practice. And the amazing thing is water is available to us all of the time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even if, even if for whatever reason we can't drink it, we're full of it inside of us. So, you know, the consciousness of water can always be accessed, but most of us are blessed enough that we can, whenever we want, just go get a glass of water, a fairly clean water. And the immediacy and the availability to just settle yourself and be like, oh, okay. I need some help right now. I'm struggling with this, you know, help me and drink some water. And I find it always immediately helpful. This has never been a time where I've made a prayer with water and drank the water that I didn't feel better. That's so powerful. I'm definitely going to sit immediately after this recording and sit on my bed and pray with water. I think that's so, it's so powerful. And I look forward to implementing that more in my own life. And just the intention around drinking water, something that's so life-giving as well. And just being more intentional and, and present in that process. I think there's a lot of power in that even in and of itself. Yes, because it's something that we're doing all of the time. Mm -hmm. What an opportunity. <laughs> right, exactly. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And I imagine that'll be some of the work that you're doing and some of, the, some of what you're sharing with when you're working with individuals now. Is, I imagine prayer is a big part of that, that process and that teaching. Yeah, so when I'm working individually with people... I'm asking everybody to come with a water glass <laughs> nice. and also all of the circles that I'm leading right now, everybody has a glass of water and time to be with the water, play with the water and drink it. Very cool. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Another mm -hmm. topic that I wanted to make sure that we touched on today, because this, this rings very heavily true to my family, especially now moving to a place where there, it feels like there are more seasons than where we lived in Santa Cruz, but kind of diving a little bit into seasonal rituals and family life. So we kind of touched on this even with the question to kick us off. I am a big believer in rituals, and I'm leaning more into that this year than ever before. So rituals, and then especially seasonal rituals with the, in the family unit. Can you shed some more light on that and the importance there? Yeah. So I think this really, my practice of this really started with the nature school. As I was doing more ceremony personally through the Native American church, I was really hungry for like, how can I do this with the kids? You know, like how can I do, make some 
ceremonies that feel relevant to them and that bring this sense of ritual to to our lives together. And so I'm not exactly sure how I landed on this starting with the seasonal rituals, but I did. And I think in some ways they're kind of natural because they are these markers of time. And so many of us really want our children to be connected to nature. You know, that's what this nature program was all about is like helping children connect to nature. And at the same time, a lot of us didn't grow up necessarily like doing land-based rituals or, you know, being outside in all weather or things like this. So we're kind of learning as we go, right? It's like, well, I want this for my kids, so better figure out how to how to do something about it. So I started doing the four main seasonal transitions, which is the two solstices, winter and summer, and then the two equinoxes, spring and fall. And I was really inspired by the book by Starha and Anita Hill, I think her name is, there's three authors, called Raising Children in Goddess Traditions, I think it's called. Oh, Circle Round is the title. Circle Round, Raising Children in Goddess Traditions. And that book has not only the main four, but then the four in between each of those. So that that makes eight seasonal transitions to mark. And in that book, it's really beautiful and very simple. It outlines different kinds of altars that you can make. So one really beautiful and easy way to do a ritual with kids is say like, okay, we're celebrating, you know, let's say solstice, we're celebrating solstice, let's make the altar. And what do we put on the altar? And so, and that helps give kids ways to think about and feel for themselves the themes of that seasonal transition. So for winter, you know, it's like, okay, in the winter, we're on one hand, we're welcoming the light, right? Because the light begins to build after winter solstice. And we're also embracing the darkness and rest and the unknown. So how could we do that? So I started building these altars with the kids and I would say things like, okay, like tomorrow when we're going to build the altar, like bring something from your house that makes you really want to get cozy, like something that makes you feel cozy. And then also bring something that connects you to the light. And so maybe they would bring a drawing or a picture or a candle or something. And then we would build an altar on the ground. That was really how those rituals started. And they're, they're a really simple, beautiful way to start making altars with kids. Hi friends, Laura here with a quick break to tell you a little bit about one of our absolute favorite products and companies. Our friends at Paleo Valley are on a mission to help people reclaim vibrant health, providing products that prioritize nutrient density in an industry that prioritizes everything else. They believe that every dietary choice and every added ingredient is a powerful opportunity to love and care for ourselves. And we couldn't agree more. I love the Organ Complex and C-Serum for everyday holistic health support. And the beef and turkey sticks are our favorite travel essentials when we're out in the van. And right now we are digging the super greens. They're organic, they're non-GMO, and they contain the actual ingredients that you can use that aren't going to cause inflammation. And right now you can get 15% off of your Paleo Valley order with the code MODERNMAMAS. Check it out. So cool. I have a dear friend who lives in Bend, Oregon, who introduced me to that book over the summer when we were visiting and talking about the 
this solstices and my daughter was born on summer solstice and that for me was really like a launching off point for me to start diving more into these and we've been celebrating ever since but I haven't bought it yet and now I'm like I just wrote it down I'm like okay this is a sign today's the day to actually go and get the book <laughs> and really oh, implement more of those we do the equinoxes uh, this is the, really the first year we leaned into those more we've been doing the solstices but I am just so in awe of all of this and I think it's such a powerful way to connect our kids to the earth just I mean everything you were saying was just so spot on and so rang so true for me Yes. Yeah. I mean, that book was a really a game changer for me because it not only has ideas for each altar, but then it has stories inside of it and crafts and a little bit about, you know, that helps us build our understanding about what's happening at the seasonal shift. So it's been really, really helpful. That's so cool. And I think it's so fun for kids to have. I really appreciate them having us having winter solstice to celebrate. Because in my opinion, and, and this isn't a judgment on anyone else, but I just feel like Christmas has become so kind of like monetized and commercialized and it's all about the stuff. And so we really, tr we're trying to not have a lot of that be the focus for our whole season. And so it's pretty powerful to have solstice to really focus more on like the season and the earth and getting outside. And we were able to, we had a, we had a beautiful snowstorm on winter solstice. So it was just really powerful way to bring in this transition and just I, I don't know I just really appreciate it so thank you for sharing this stuff I, I it's hitting home clearly yeah yeah and I it's also I found a really beautiful way to build intimacy with kids because it gives these kind of starting off points for conversation you know like you know, like for example in the spring when in February 2nd around February 2nd is the the rise of spring that's one of my one of my favorite season transitions, and you know, there's all of this energy of you know, like what are you what are you seeding, like what are you visioning, and what are you excited to do more of, and just like giving kids chance to have that kind of reflection, but also to share with the adults like what they're really excited about, and sometimes they say things that we might not have been tracking, you know, like oh. You didn't realize that you were really excited about making a book or reading more. Like, that's so cool. Like, so it just, yeah, it's a, it's a really, like, if you make it a regular ritual, it like, provides these drop-in points to have that open flow of conversation about what's important to each individual and the family and what things do we want to bring more of into our lives. And I love that so much. It's an opportunity for families to connect and, and also not that we need it, but it kind of offers permission for shifts and changes and a reconnection versus just like January 1st, we're going to set intentions for the year. And then we're not going to talk about it again until next year on January 1st. It's like offers opportunities throughout the year to connect and touch base and see where our focuses are and our passions and our hearts and our pains and, and all of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So cool. And then on top of that connects us to nature. And I wanted to talk more about that too. And I know that's something that you're passionate about and that you teach and it's a big part of your work. Just this like nature connection, deep connection to nature. Our daughter started a forest school. And so two days a week, she's going part-time and then she's spending the, you know, the entire four hours at a state park fully outside. And it's been so fun to see, you know, we went camping for winter solstice or for the new year and we had planned to go for solstice, but it was a massive snowstorm, but it was just so fun to see my daughter three and a half, not wanting to go home the next day. Just like she wanted to, she is just like a trooper 
so connected with nature. It's cold as heck, wet, and she was just having the time of her life. And so I've definitely seen, and she, we, you know, she's been spent most of her life outside, a lot of it outside. But still, there's there's even more of an appreciation now that she's in it for four hours a day, and it's wet and it's cold up here. And so I just love to dive more into that because it's really been at the forefront of my mind as of late, especially. Yes, yeah, it's so wonderful to see kids growing up with so much like you're talking about just that flexibility and that excitement for being outside in all weather conditions i i have loved it it's one of my favorite parts about doing the forest school that i did for the last couple years and it's just amazing like i just didn't grow up that way it was like when it's when it's raining you go inside like okay you yes like okay you can go outside and play for maybe five minutes and then you come back in you know like but something really beautiful opens up I think inside of the person, any person who's outside, whether they're a kid or an adult, when they're outside in the rain and in the snow and playing and just relaxing in those colder weather conditions. Yeah, it's, it's so cool to see. <laughs> and I see so much growth too. And just that kind of connection and she's not you know not asking for shows or not that we do a ton of that but but even still it's just it's less on her on her radar and she's super amped to go outside and to play in the rain and she gets us outside of her comfort zone because yeah I love being outside but like when it's pouring rain and we go on a walk I'm like okay cool we're gonna go on a walk around the block get our time outside splashing some puddles and then go inside and get warm and she's like dragging mm-hmm. her feet and wanting to play and all of a sudden the puddle becomes hot lava and I'm like okay you're pushing me outside my comfort zone and I appreciate that <laughs> Nice. So good. And and I, I don't know if you could talk a little bit too about the way that nature, like connection to nature, but then also the healing powers of nature. Is that something that you've found in your work? I find it to be kind of therapeutic in my own when I'm feeling anxious and I get spend time outside. What's your experience with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that was really my pathway to bringing it to children and into my work started because I, I found that connection just for myself. Like, wow, when I spend time outside and I'm out in nature and I'm paying attention to, you know, what the birds are doing and relaxing and being away from technology and being away from my work or whatever it is, like, I feel so good. And so I started studying different nature education approaches in education. And because my, my, teaching wasn't always focused around nature. It really led me to study a bunch of really amazing people and perspectives to deepen that. Because for me, like, I kind of had a threshold, you know, where it was like, there was sort of, it was like, okay, I could be outside, but I just wanted to know more, you know, like, I I became really curious of like, wait, but what really is that bird? Like, I I want to be able to identify that bird. And like, I came across the work of a man named John Young, who wrote a book called What the Robin Knows, and also founded an organization called The Eight Shields. And it's a whole organization, or an approach that is dedicated to not only just being outside and feeling really good in that expansion but it's like we as humanity it's like us losing track of nature is has so much more implications than we can really see and being able to track nature and feel ourselves as part of the natural world 
really has the capacity to change our cultures and change the way we live, change the way we relate to one another, and really allow us to be more creative and connected and less violent (laughs) as we sensitize ourselves more to how we actually feel and how the natural world responds to us. Because wild animals are really good, just like children are very, are very clear reflections of our state, you know, our state of consciousness, like a young child, they just respond to how we are like wild animals are the same. (laughs) They really just respond to our state. So they're a very good metric for where we are in our consciousness. And yeah, I went on a bit of a tangent there, but <laughs> this podcast is all about tangents. I love them. <laughs> I feel like that's where some of the most profound stuff can be shared. I couldn't agree more. That's so glad I wrote that book title down too. So what the Robin knows, I'm going to find that one as well. I really yeah, appreciated so- the point too, about just like less violence and kind of reconnecting to who we are as humans and humanity in general, desensitization. I think that's a really, really powerful part of spending more time in nature is combating that. Yeah, right. Because when like, just like when you're saying, it's like you go outside and then you start to just feel more relaxed, but also just feel more. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) If you're just outside all day, like, you can feel what's happening for yourself. And it's really amazing. I'm writing that down because we always pull quotes. And I really like that one. You go outside and you start to feel more relaxed, but you also just start to feel more. I feel like that's really powerful. (laughs) Because that's, that's still the case. I know, I if I don't get outside for a like even just two days, if I spend two days inside, I start to feel this like deep seated anxiety that feels inexplicable. But the reality is, is that we're not, I'm not especially like, I know personally, I'm not supposed to be inside for multiple days in a row and not get outside. I I do not do well. I can't focus. I feel anxious. I feel jittery. I feel it's very, very, and the more I become in tune with my body, the more I realize that's the case. In fact, I was actually without a period for a number of years and was in chronic pain. We were living in the Bay area back in 2015. And I started seeing a mindfulness-based therapist and through that work realized through my own, like I found, realized myself, she didn't tell me this, that like we needed to move and we need to spend more time outside. So I moved up to Washington all the way back then, spent a year up here. I spent most of my days like outside. I was actually like climbing trees and like (laughs) spending so much time outside. And my period came back and my pain went away and it was so healing. So I believe in that it's immensely powerful. And that was before your daughter. Before my daughter, yeah. I had to, we and we knew we wanted to start a family, but I didn't have a cycle. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't bleeding, and so then got my period back up here. We went back to Santa Cruz because we had a community there. That's where we felt called to have her, and so had her in Santa Cruz, and then lived in the van for over a year, and then ended up back in the Santa Cruz mountains, and then got evacuated by wildfires, and ended up back here. And funnily enough, our listeners know this, but I got my first three and a half years later. I got my first postpartum period. One week after moving back up to this peninsula. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so there's something about this place and this space that I think we're finally like settling into. Okay, this is where we're supposed to be. Yeah. What an incredible story of both of listening to into you know to your own intuition and also just healing power of land and connecting to land. And yeah. It really makes me and even even there's a you know there's a, a rhythmical aspect to that as well and I think that that's one of the really healing parts of nature and even cycling back to what we were saying about celebrating these seasonal shifts is that the land and the natural world has rhythm it has you know it has a time of year where it's dark and not as active and energy goes into the roots of a plant and then it has 
another time of year where things actually start to blossom and they grow and they're fragrant and they share, you know, it's like there's this expansion outwards and we have a culture that (laughs) does not acknowledge those kind of rhythms. It's just like, no, you go all the time. (laughs) And that's the only way to be successful. And you just go and you go and you go and you go. And I think especially a lot of female bodied people do not do well with that kind of mentality. And it impacts our health and even our cycles and our fertility. And it's so beautiful to hear your story of that kind of listening and the healing of your own body. Hi friends, Jess and Laura here to chat about one of our new favorite ways to make sure we're getting nourishing foods into our day. We partnered with Organifi to bring to you a really special line of organic superfood blends packed with high quality ingredients and less than three grams of sugar. They have products that support energy and nutrition, gut and hormonal health, plus immune system function, skin health, recovery, and beyond. And I'll let you in on a little secret here. I do not like fruit. I know. Shocking. I know I should be getting more fruits in day to day, but on those days, I just can't even. I love that I can use Organifi Red Juice Mix in my water or smoothie to get a blend of 13 premium organic superfoods that contain potent adaptogens, antioxidants, and a clinical dose of cordyceps. This means I can let go of all the shoulds around eating more fruit. I love that one too. And I'm also loving gold every single morning in my coffee drink. Though it might be touted as a nighttime bevy, I love the flow it brings to my mornings, balancing out coffee with zen-inducing reishi, plus turmeric and a whole host of digestive and superfood powerhouses. It's a real winner. Because when we try something and love it, we want to share it with you. You can visit the www.organifi.com forward slash modern mamas website. That's www.organifi.com forward slash modern mamas and or use the code modern mamas at checkout to get 20% off your order. We hope you find some amazing nourishment here to add into your daily routine friends. Enjoy. Thank you. I so appreciate that. I'm just coming off of a, a period and like just really, you know, my third one since being back up here and just really leaning into that and like into slowing down and into honoring the cycle of my body. And then I do feel a lot more connected to the cycle of the natural world up here too. And the seasons just because in California, it's like where we were, you know, it's like average year round is 70 and you don't, I, you do notice, but I didn't notice nearly as immensely. Cause now we're so far North. The, the change of, you know, the, sol- the solstice is so powerful because it's like, okay, these, these nights have been long. These days have been short. And I, it's such a powerful shift here. I feel the season so deeply. And I think that that's part of what my body is craving. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. cool. So cool. I could talk about this stuff for, for hours. I just yeah. find it to be so fascinating. And the more I learn about it, the more in tune I feel like I get with my body. I just, the immense power of being outside and listening, like just, you keep saying like listening and tuning in. And I feel like it's the, it's just like the listening and the tuning in and the honoring that all humans could just could benefit from female bodied yeah. or not, you know, though I do think that female bodied humans have an extra special kind of like power, superpower, I guess. <laughs> for sure (laughs) which is wonderful I do also want to before we wrap talk a little bit about this because this is something that's relatively new to me and I think is so powerful but you talk a lot about movement integration work for sensitive kids so we've talked about nature we've talked about prayer I also want to talk about movement and the work you do in that world 
Yeah, which is a part of the reason why we're connected through Eliza, who I met in a body mind centering training. And she's incredible. She's been on the podcast a few times now. Um, and I've done work with her a lot. But our listeners, if you haven't heard, look back at our search Eliza Parker in her episodes, but she works in the aware parenting world. She was such an, an immense influence on my parenting journey. We did some calls. We also worked on some movement stuff with Evie. And I know from experience with her, just the powerful way that both movement, that movement is so deeply intertwined with headspace and release and all of that. So I look really look forward to hearing more from you on this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was lucky enough that I, well, I have always been interested in movement in some way or another. And in college, I was, had a minor in dance and in that dance program, someone named Jandy Bergman taught this class called body works. And it was a somatic sampling of all these different body-based approaches and really opened my mind to something that I felt like it, I don't know if you ever had this feeling like when you encounter something new and you're like oh my god this is this is for me like I've been like this all of my life like I know this already you know like that feeling of just like this is so in line with who I am as a person and I felt that about all of the different ways that they were exploring but especially one called body mind centering and in that work, and again, I was partly drawn because I was working with children. And so kind of always on this quest for like, how can I support children even deeper and even deeper and even deeper? And this whole body of work was really developed through this woman's work with young children. And I myself am a very sensitive person and have had a lot of what when I was a kid, they didn't call them sensory sensitivities. You know, there was no really that wasn't in the field. But what I would call now as a sensory sensitivity, like I have very many. You know, like I was one of those kids where, like, if you if my sock was on the right way and the seam was on the inside, like I would throw a fit. You know, and like I I had this habit of touching my belly button as a child that to help me regulate myself because I would get really overwhelmed. And if I was wearing something that I couldn't touch my belly button, I, I would freak out. <laughs> like, I can't touch my belly button. So I came into that work knowing the internal experience of someone who just feels a lot in my body. And through that, I learned so many ways to feel better in my body, to feel whole, to feel like my sensitivity is a gift instead of a burden, which it had started to feel like that for me. So working with, with kids who are really sensitive, like I was, and helping them feel more grounded and clear in their bodies through movement and through touch is something that I just love doing so much. It's so powerful, especially because you have such a personal connection to it and experience with it. So you can take that and then really, I mean, have more empathy for these kids than most others could. So I really appreciate that. Can you explain a little bit more about how it's put into practice? I guess like, how would you work with a, with, I know Eliza talks a lot about like highly sensitive people. Is that the right, I want to make sure that I'm, that I'm explaining or using the right terminology or verbiage around that, but that's, that's like a very specific group, right? That kind of is of that I don't really know how. Yes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on the right track. There is, 
Yeah, yeah. There is a framework, and I forget the name of the person's work, who's like a high, highly sensitive people, I think is what That's they what it is, yes. call it. And I think that, you know, the work that I do is definitely helpful for kids like that. But also even just, you know, most most regular, typically developing kids and, and adults can use movement and touch to feel better in their bodies and to feel more regulated or, you know, to focus more if they need more focus. But yeah, like an example, you know, an example would be a kid who, let's say on the sensory scale is more sensory seeking. So they are seeking sensory input for their body to help feel themselves, essentially. So that would be a kid who's like touching everything, you know, like kids who are like touching the wall and touching the chairs and picking things up and climbing on people, sometimes like not listening to people's boundaries because they just like, they need so much physical information Mm. to feel grounded. So with with a kid like that, we would work on building a bunch of sensory experiences for them that are going to give them that satisfaction in their body so that they're not looking for it in places that are dysregulating and maybe unhelpful relationally. (laughs) So, you know, things like, okay, like lay down on the ground as fast as you can. And then it's like, okay, we're going to cover you with pillows. And then like covering them with pillows and like jumping on the pillows. So it's like giving them these sensory experiences that like are for some kids would be totally overwhelming. Right. (laughs) But for a kid whose sensory system needs a lot of stimulus to find ways of just really giving it to them so that they're satisfied and then they don't have to look for it in other ways. I so appreciate that. It's such a good perspective to have too, because there's the whole mindset around like good kid, bad kid over at hyperactive, whatever. And like so many diagnoses of ADHD and whatnot. And sometimes I wonder, you know, (laughs) every kid is just so different and not every kid is meant to sit in a desk and like follow the mainstream school and, and the mainstream expectations. And and so we can celebrate the differences and find like that sounds like so much fun i know evie loves to climb under all if we have laundry over the bed she loves to climb under it and like be under all of it and then pop out and like scare us and i just think that's a really powerful perspective to have to ways to embrace it instead of always just can be exhausting for both parent and child to just hear no or say no all the time <laughs> yeah totally. and it's you know it's really hard when kids are looking to get those needs met but they're doing it in ways that are totally disruptive mm-hmm. you know like especially if they're crossing other people's boundaries and you know, or breaking things or there's just like so many ways, but when you can get underneath all of that and be like, wait, what is this, just this body, this little being (laughs) really needing here. And then just creatively looking for ways that you can offer it. That's so awesome. I really appreciate you sharing that. Now I think about ways to integrate it and like tune in a little bit to like when she's being, you know, having a little bit more of that kind of kinetic, kinesthetic energy and like needing to touch everything and run around. It's like, it's her, it's her body being wise and sharing with me what it's needing. So it's a matter of just listening yeah. to that, just like we have to tune into our own bodies as well. Yes, exactly. And I think that's a really big part of the perspective shift that can really help parents in that situation is just like the, the body, the kid's body is wise, you know, just like you said, they're, they're looking for something that they need and let's honor that. Mm-hmm. And um, and honor it in ourselves too, because also for adults, especially if kids are going that direction, like they're the seeking, like sensory seeking, like 
or really sensory avoiding can do the same thing because sometimes that means that they'll have these huge meltdowns when they have this like tiny bit of sensory <laughs> stuff come in and they're like crying about it. and the parents like, Oh my God, are you kidding me right now? Like <laughs> how can this be such a big deal? You know, but that for the parent too, that their body has a regulation system intact and maybe they need to take more space from their kid or maybe they need to go for a walk or maybe they need, you know, so it's just like letting everybody in the family system, like, okay, like we all have really wise bodies here. What's needed. How can you as a family help each other thrive in that and still get what you need? Yeah. Which all just comes back to communication and it's, it's so, it's so awesome. And also like, it's so much it can be simpler to find what we need when we are outside to kind of bring it full circle mm. that like, you know, unplanned play of just like letting a kid be outside and touch whatever they want, because there's a lot, there's a lot fewer rules out there in terms of what you can and can't touch and, and all of that, which, which I think is pretty awesome too. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Beautiful. Well, thank you for so much for sharing all this with us. I am, I'm so touched and my whole body feels like it's kind of buzzing right now with all of the information and wisdom that you've shared. I'm sure I'm not alone and wanting to be able to seek out more of your work and learn more from you. So if you could share with our listeners here, where are the best places to find you to learn more? Yeah. So my Instagram is the waters daughter and my new website, which isn't up yet, but it's going to be up in the next week or two is elevating.family. So Elevating Family is going to be the new name of my business. Awesome. Okay. And I will be sure to add those to the show notes as well. So as you're listening, if you're driving or whatever you're doing, you can always just find the show notes and we'll also have tagged Ashley in the posts for this episode on Instagram. And yeah, if you follow, let's keep the conversation going. Follow her there. Let's, let's keep learning and growing together. I love this, all of these topics so much. And I know that I'll be diving more into circle round and all of the different celebrations and transitions of the years of the year and the seasons, and obviously continuing to spend a lot of time outside. So thank you, Ashley, so much for being here. It's such a treat. I feel like I've learned so much. And I know that we'll definitely stay in touch. There's too many connections between us to not, and I feel like so, too much to learn. So I'm just so grateful for the time that you've given us today. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been really fun to talk with you. All right. And we'll talk soon. And thank you everyone for listening. We so appreciate it. If you like what you hear, please head on to wherever you listen and leave us a review. It means so much. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks everyone. Bye. We don't know what to say. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Bye.